were a little afraid to applaud, thought you might start singing again. That's one of those songs that has an encore, but it always helps if you express appreciation and honor to God for the gifts that he's given these who are exercising them. And I know there are folks in the congregation who have the gift of song who should be up here and expressing that praise to God as well. <clears throat> I get more amens from the choir from the congregation. I can't, I can't tell. We're pointing to Jesus this morning. Uh, the sermon is entitled, What is Truth? And we're going to pray for the Peru mission team after the invitation, so don't think that we uh, inadvertently omitted that. But I wanted to do that at the end, and I wasn't feeling well Thursday and didn't have an opportunity to order the bulletin uh, the way I, I wanted to. What is truth? John 18, 28 through 38. You know, if you don't know what truth is, then anything is possible. Anything is permissible. And that's the way our world is today. And I'm so thankful that our Bible, and, and specifically a person named Jesus, has been designated as the truth. To give us something to point to, something to look towards, some absolute moral standard to guide our lives by, because if we don't have that, we have nothing. But I'm preaching. Let's read the scripture first. John 18, verse 28. John 18, 28. Jesus is before Pilate. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words, of Je the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. So Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Do you think I'm a Jew, Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priest who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I am a king. In fact... For this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for charge against him. I'm going to keep reading. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, No, not him, give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. What had Jesus done? Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, how we praise you and thank you for the truth that you are. 
the standard that you give us, the moral absolute which we have for living. Because apart from you, oh God, everything would be permissible. Anything would be possible. And we could justify and rationalize and excuse anything we wanted to do. So help us look to you, the truth. In your name we pray, amen. Verse 38 is the crux of this entire conversation between Jesus and Pilate. Pilate asks, what is truth? And then without waiting for an answer, waiting for Jesus to give an answer, Pilate walks back outside and tells the Jews, I have no charge against him. There's nothing I can do. Basically saying, let me release him, as is our custom, to release a prisoner once every year, this time of year. Pilate has no truth. And when there is no truth, where there is no meaning, then everything is possible and it is run by your own personal preference. What is right for you might be wrong for me. What is right for me might be wrong for you, but that's okay. You do things your way, I'll do things my way, and and we'll just go along happily side by side. So let's cheat on the test tomorrow. That's okay, I don't mind cheating if it means getting a good grade. Let's, uh, let's change some numbers on the report to make it look like we've met our quota. Well, I, I don't mind. You know, our boss is stupid anyway. He probably won't notice. You lied to me yesterday, didn't you? Well, what do you mean by lie? Anything becomes possible. Today, everything is relative. In a world where all ideas and lifestyles and behaviors and religions are treated of equal value, then anything is possible. Everything is permissible. Everything is okay. So Frank worships Jesus, and Terry worships Buddha, and Sheila worships her crystal, and Bud worships the tree in his backyard, and it's all the same. It doesn't matter. Some people call it postmodernism. Some people call it relativism. But it's really nothing new. It goes all the way back to Pilate standing before Jesus and playing politics on Good Friday. It goes back to Romans who didn't care if Christians worshipped Jesus as long as they worshipped Caesar too. And there were a lot of Christians who succumbed and did that. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden where a serpent comes to Eve and says, there's no special tree here. God didn't really mean it when he said, don't eat of this fruit, of this tree. They're all the same. It's all okay. Take one and taste it. I was uh, startled. Well, I guess not. I shouldn't have been. But to see some statistics recently, and I want to give them to you just to let you know the mess our world is in. A Barna research group shows that three-fourths of all adults believe there is no such thing as absolute truth. Two completely different people can define truth in totally conflicting ways and both still be correct. Less than one-half of born-again adults and less than 10% of born-again teenagers believe in the existence of absolute moral truth. 
More than 70% of American adults agree there are no absolute standards that apply to everyone. Are you getting a, a sense of this? Almost one half of adult Americans believe that it's all right to bend the rules for your benefit. So is it any wonder that 70% of American teenagers admit to cheating on exams and they don't see anything wrong with it? Because everybody's doing it. Our culture has rejected the whole idea of absolute truth. So where there is no moral truth, where there is no absolute moral right and wrong, then everything is okay. It's all right to bend the rules to suit yourself. I'm so amused when I, when I see the, the television and it has someone caught red-handed in the act of breaking the law and they come before the judge and what do they always plea? Not guilty. Did they do it? Of course they did it. Are they guilty? Well, it depends on what you mean by guilt. It's all relative. It's all possible in this realm of no moral absolutes, no right or wrong. So you come right into the midst of this and you have Pilate asking a question, what is truth? What is truth? They didn't have it in Rome 2,000 years ago. And what Pilate didn't know was that truth was standing right in front of him. Jesus, I wish Jesus had said, what is truth, Pilate? You're looking at it. Because just a few chapters earlier in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said very explicitly, I am the way, what else? I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. <clears throat> I looked up the Greek. It's very, very distinct. I am the way. I am the truth. The truth. So for us Christians, truth is not a set of propositions that we have to adhere to, that we have to believe. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. He is absolute truth. He is moral truth. He is absolute right and wrong. And I don't care what society is teaching, what our culture is influencing us, how it is constantly taking us down a slippery slope further and further away from what is right and wrong and what is true and false. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the plumb line, not the person sitting beside you, not the television show you see on television. Jesus is absolute truth. And when you realize that, that's a bold statement, and that changes everything. It changes everything, and if you get anything else out of this message this morning, I want you to remember that there is a truth, and it's Jesus. And when you come to a decision, I want you to look at the truth. I want you to think about the moral, absolute right and wrong, and think about Jesus. And do what's right. Speak the truth. Because it will always be the truth. In your outline, I want you to see that Jesus is the truth in a lot of areas. He is the truth in our thinking. He's the truth in our living. He is the truth forever. So he's our truth for thinking, first of all. And what I, what I base that on is that 
We are supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and what? With all our minds. Friends, we can love God with our minds. We do not have to turn our thinking off when we come into the church. We do not have to shut down um, our minds when we open up the Bible because if Jesus is truth, then anywhere our thinking leads us, if it leads us to truth, then it will end up in Jesus. It reminds me of the explorer who was afraid of being lost, and so he dropped little pieces of paper all along his path so when he got to the end of his trail, he could turn around his, and find his way back home. Well, Jesus is the source of that truth, and whatever, sci whatever academic discipline might, might teach you, if it is truth, then Jesus will be the source of it. If there is no absolute right or wrong, then we can never do a wrong because I don't know about you, but I can always manage to rationalize or justify just about anything I want to do if there is no absolute. But if there is an absolute right and an absolute wrong, then Jesus is the source of it. And he's the source of truth. I don't, I don't have to be afraid of wherever science might take us because Jesus is the source of that truth in any and every area of thought and life and mind. So I want you to love God with your minds. I want you to think when you open up the Bible. I want you to, to ask questions. I want you to, to think about different areas and different things and, and talk to God about it and not be afraid to question anything because he is the source of truth. And anything that leads you to truth will lead you ultimately to him. He's a source of truth for thinking. Let me just, let me just do an aside here. And I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to. A couple months ago, there was a debate on some channel on television between Bill Nye, the science guy, and Ken Ham, the creationist. Did, did any of y'all see that or, or talk about that? And I, I knew from the outset, I didn't watch it, but I, I kind of read excerpts. The debate was doomed, <coughs> excuse me, from the start. <coughs> because here's Bill Nye. And he paints himself in this corner where everything can be explained by science with no room whatsoever for God. And here's Ken Ham, the creationist, who's over here. And he says, there's absolutely no room for science. And I'm sitting there thinking, why, why does science and God have to be mutually exclusive? If God is omnipotent and God can do anything any way he wants to, why can't God work through science to accomplish his purposes? Why can't God do anything any way? Why do I have to circumscribe the parameters around God and how he's going to accomplish his purposes? I don't think Bill Nye and Ken Ham persuaded anybody. I don't think anybody's minds were changed by that debate. It just made both of them more entrenched in their own perspectives. And I'm sitting there thinking, there is room for God in science. And, and we don't have to be afraid to think about that because Jesus is truth. 
Jesus is truth. And if we look to truth, if we find truth, we don't have to be afraid of wherever science might lead us because Jesus will be the source of it. He's the source of truth. He is truth for thinking. So think. Secondly, Jesus is truth for living. And I want you to tell you right here, this truth for living is found in these sacred pages. These sacred pages. And the problem with the truth contained in the Bible is not that it's unclear. It's, the, the trouble is it's unread. <laughs> we just don't even look at it. But it's clear when we read it. Let me give an example about the difficulty of, of English translation. When I was at seminary, I had a friend from Nigeria named Solomon Abagunde, a great, great preacher and evangelist. He was at seminary from Nigeria because he was getting a, a, a PhD and he was going to go back to Nigeria and teach in the seminary, the Old Testament. And I remember going with him to a Dairy Queen. And uh, we went to Dairy Queen, and, and he was struggling with the English vernacular and, and English language, and he saw the sign that said, burgers at Dairy Queen, burgers, fries, dogs. And he looked at me and said, who is Mr. Burgers, and why does he do such awful things to little dogs? Burgers, fries, dogs. I said, no, no, Solomon. Three different things. Don't, don't put them together. There's so much confusion in, in moving from one language to another, but we don't have that problem with the Bible. The Bible is clear. The Bible is, is our instruction manual. If you get a car and you have the owner's manual in the glove compartment and you choose not to get it out and read it, you can drive your car as long as you put gas in it, but if you never change the oil, if you never check the tires for air pressure, one day you're going to be sitting on the side of the road. And you're going to get mad that your car broke down, but it's not your car's fault, is it? You had clear instructions how to, to manage this car, the owner's manual, what you had to do to maintain it. Friends, this is what God has given us. It is instructions for living. This is the the manufacturer's instruction manual. God made us, and the, and the things he tells us in here are not arbitrary. The things he tells us, he tells us because he loves us, and he who created us knows exactly what we need to function to, to our highest capacity. And so he, he tells us what is right and what is wrong for a specific reason, and if we don't obey it, then we're going to end up broken down on the side of the road somewhere and we're going to blame God for it. And it's not his fault. He's given us the owner's manual of instructions that we can follow. And if we neglect it, it's to our own demise, our own destruction. So if you're a Christian and someone offers you answers to an exam, do you have to think about it? No. You've read the instruction manual. If you're a Christian and, and someone seduces you in a relationship outside of marriage, do you have to think about it? No. You have the instruction manual. If you're a Christian and, and someone 
suggest that you juggle the books of the company in order to make a little extra money to show a little more profit. Do you have to think about it? No, because you have the instruction manual. Let Jesus shape our lives, and it will mean living differently from the world, but it will also give your life purpose and fulfillment because the instruction manual who created you knows what you need to function fully. I'll tell you what I blame. I blame the media. I blame television. I blame magazines because all, all the time I see television programs, I don't watch them, but I just flipping channels and I see how they are always pushing the envelope away from what is right and what is wrong. In American society, we are sitting there and, and initially we, we see these shows and we think, you know, that's not right. But a couple months later, a couple years later, we see it again and it's not quite as bad. And, and eventually we are being just acculturated into a whole different mindset. And incidentally, it's those shows that are pushing the envelope that usually win all the awards. Because those are the ones that, that Hollywood is trying to promote. They're changing our mores. They're changing our cultural norms and values away from the absolute truth of God's Word. And more Americans are influenced today by the media than they are by the Bible. And that's why things are the way they are. And we're moving further and further away from God's absolute truth of right and wrong. Jesus is the truth for thinking. Think about Jesus. You don't have to be afraid. Jesus is the truth for living. It's contained right here in His Word. And finally, I just want to offer that Jesus is the truth forever. Forever. From the beginning of time to the end of time, from the very beginning when God said, let there be light, and God created the heaven and the earth, everything is here because God created it, and everything is still here because God sustains it. We could not exist a moment of, a minute of any day apart from the power of God, because He placed us here. He created everything. And we talked a couple weeks ago why if God created everything, is there suffering in the world? And it's because we brought it in. We introduced sin into the world. We invited evil in. And Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. But God did not remain removed and distant he didn't fold his arms and turn his back on his creation and say, I gave them a perfect world and they've ruined it. I'm going to leave them to their own devices. No, he said, my love is still greater. And I'm going to send my only begotten son to pay the penalty for their sin that my relationship with them might be restored. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, because Jesus is truth, Pilate said, what's truth? Jesus is truth. Because Jesus is truth, we have truth for thinking, for living, forever. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a daily battle to be aware and be sensitized to 
what, what the media, what society is telling you about truth and the, and, and the possibility that there is no absolute truth. But you have to remember, yes, there is. Jesus said, I am the truth. Look at me. Follow me. Trust in me. And when you do so, you'll know what's right and what's wrong. I, I heard an evangelist in college, and I've never forgotten it, and he said, you know, a lot of times when something is gray and we aren't sure if it's right or wrong, we'll usually say, you know what, I'm going to do it until God tells me it's wrong. And actually, it's just the converse of what, what we should be doing. If something is unclear and we aren't sure if it's right or wrong, we should not do it until God tells us it's right. The old song in Alleluia, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. What do we have to be afraid of? Nothing. Jesus is the truth. Follow him. Trust in him. Believe in him. Let him provide the plumb line of the standard of behavior. Don't, don't listen to what society is saying, what culture is saying, what your neighbor's doing, but stay true and steady to the plumb line of God through Jesus Christ. Two farmers were chatting in front of the bank one day, and one farmer said to the other, I hear you made 60000 in alfalfa last year. And the first farmer said, well, you know, not wanting to be rude, but just to correct him, he said, well, actually, it wasn't me. It was my brother. And it wasn't alfalfa. It was oats. And it wasn't 60,000. It was 6,000. And he actually didn't make it. He lost it. So you can see how far from the truth we can get so quickly. We need to get back to the truth. Rayburn Martin, our, our building superintendent, had a, had a wise mother who was always offering little bits of advice that if you listened to made a whole lot of sense. And one thing Rayburn's mother told him that he shared with us, she said, Rayburn, always tell the truth. It may not always be easy. It may not always be pretty but it will always be the truth. Always tell the truth. Jesus is the truth. Look at him. Follow him. Believe in him. And you will have an absolute line to follow. And you'll know what's right and what's wrong. The question is, where you have the boldness and the character and the faith to do what you know is right because Jesus is the truth. Let's bow together. Father, as we are in this pluralistic, relativistic, postmodern society, Everything seems to be okay for everybody. 
And what's okay for one person may not be okay for another, but that's fine. What's okay for them might not be okay for another. And so everybody's doing what seems right in their own eyes. And our world is in a mess. And we need the truth of Jesus made manifest in our world today. And who's going to present him if not Christians? If we don't do it, if we don't live what we know to be the truth, then we have lost our salt and our light in a dark and insipid world that desperately needs a witness. So help us look to Jesus, who is the truth, and follow him wherever he might lead. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.